Hello and welcome to the Codex Prime Podcast. We are on episode 72. My name is Victor Omoyo. I am your host. It is Tuesday, May 2nd, 2017. And with me to my right is Mr. Bird. What up? Carl Bird, what is the word for today, man? I'm doing all right. How you doing? Doing fantastic. Doing quite fantastic. You know, um, this is the uh, third uh, episode, third YouTube episode, third two-man episode, as well as the first episode of the new Codex Prime era. Yes. Um, we uh, we did talk with our uh, our our fellow uh, c former co-hosts Maurice Cerullo and Aris Tejeda. And uh, due to you know numerous delays over the last few months since the beginning of the new year, we all came to a consensus that um, that Carl and I will carry the show moving forward, and Maurice and Aris will you know they'll they, they step down, but they'll but they'll be back, maybe maybe like once in a blue moon, maybe they'll be recurring hosts on a few episodes, but uh, but moving forward, it's definitely Codex Prime is a two man operation. So um, we hope that you'll continue to stick with us and uh, enjoy our show. We hope to bring the podcast heat, that hot fire, every Tuesday on the dot. Well, whatever. Wednesday too. Whatever. Yeah. We, we record Tuesday and yeah. then we post it on Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. That's, 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 that's what's going down. So you're going to be seeing more YouTube episodes as well as our usual SoundCloud uploads as well as on iTunes, Google Play and, and all that. And uh, we just want to stress that there is no bad blood, no animosity towards, you know, between all four of us. This was a mutual decision, and we felt that it was the best the best way to move the show forward without any further delays would be to, for Carl and I to carry the ball from now on. Yep. So, uh, so big shout-outs to Maurice and Aris. You know, uh, you know, the three of us, we started this whole shebang, and Carl uh, joined us, uh, you know, he joined us a short time later. And, uh, you know, from here on out, we're just gonna, you know, keep doing the damn thing. Show must go on. Yes, sir. You yes. said, couldn't say it better myself, Vic. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So, uh, with all that preamble out of the way, we got a few things to get into. Our main topic tonight is, uh, WWE Payback, the Raw pay-per-view from this past Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, plenty, yeah, plenty yeah. of let's let's yeah. hold, let's hold on let's hold on okay. yeah pl plenty of shade to be thrown on on that event but uh first Carl what have you been up to man what's the word other than work like usual um one thing I will say uh, I've been on the video game tip I've been on Grand Theft Auto Five a lot lately right. I mean a lot to the point where I was one day like I was just playing. And I said to myself, hmm, all right, I almost gotta go to work soon. Let me get one more mission done. Just more, just one more quick mission, and then next thing you know, I'm like, oh shit, I'm late for work. <laughs> <That laughs> so, um, yeah, the uh, the game, the fun factor is literally through the roof. Um, same old typical Grand Theft Auto Rockstar games graphics, but mm. nobody's really into those games for the graphics. It's the fun factor that keeps it going, and it's gonna keep me playing all the other Grand Theft Autos that you know to come. Mm -hmm. So I've been busy with that, and also um, one thing I will have to I have to shout out um, Maurice um, on last week. He actually asked me if I was a documentary guy, and he said, and I'm like, no, I don't think so, no. But then I really had to, you know, over the over the course of the week, I thought about it, 
you know, one of my favorite shows to watch is Unsung. I used to really enjoy watching the E! True Hollywood stories. Mm. I, I used to love catching episodes of biography and the things I've been catching up lately. So yeah, pretty much, yes, I am a, I, I am a documentary guy. Nice. So, um, so I've actually caught one, which is a uh, Spotify exclusive podcast. You can kind of say it's called Mogul with the life and death of Chris Lighty. So for those who don't know, Chris Lighty was a uh, he's a pioneer mogul in hip hop culture. Um, he was the head. Of, he, he used to work for Def Jam for many, many, many years. He was very instrumental in the careers of um, Fat Joe, 50 Cent, um, Missy, LL Cool J. Um, you, Q-Tip and a Tribe Called Quest, the Jungle Brothers, mm. um, many, many, many other artists. He was actually in charge. I'm not sure if you probably remember the Violator albums that you, that came out. Vibrant yeah. Thing was um, yep. was a lead single on one of them. Yep, Q-Tip. Yes, Q-Tip's Vibrant Thing. Yep. And um, yeah, so he was very um, yeah he was very instrumental in those career in their careers and you know in putting out those CD putting out those albums mm. and. Um, Unfortunately, I want to say 2005, he uh, actually committed suicide. Mm. So this, uh, so this uh, podcast documentary basically just uh, just tells his story. Mm. Um, he he was pretty much, I mean, he was pretty well known, but yet he was still like an unsung um, hero in hip hop. And um, there was one thing. Also, he was actually in uh, Def Jam Fight for New York. A lot of people. I remember when we was playing the game, a lot of people would ask me, who's Baby Chris? Who's Baby Chris? Mm -hmm. Baby Chris was Chris Lighty. Oh, wow. I did not know that. Yes. Hmm. And I think he passed away in 2012, if I'm not mistaken. It, not 2005. Possibly. Yeah. That's what it was. I, hmm. I completely forgot. I remember seeing, looking up the year, and I just completely forgot about it. But hmm. uh, forgot exactly what year. But yeah, it was uh, 20, uh, 2012. Hmm. Yeah, and they said everybody who, anybody who was anybody who was at that funeral. Mm -hmm. Very, very unfortunate because one knows who, what he could have become, you know, and where he could have took, where he could have took hip hop if he was still alive today. Yeah. So it was that, and then I also started. I didn't put this on the docket, but I also started um, watching another documentary series, which is on Netflix, which is called Too Young to Die, mm. which is and basically like a true Hollywood story, but they would. Um, they would profile uh, certain um, entertainers who have died relatively young. I mean, the first episode was with Heath Ledger, mm. and um, there was, you know, and then they have other episodes featuring uh, Judy Garland, Kurt Cobain, River Phoenix, and uh, John Belushi, I believe, mm -hmm. and a host and a host of others. And uh, one thing I, I remember when Heath Ledger was um, at the time of his death, he was filming the Imagine. Oh, the Imaginarium of Doctor Parnassus. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Have you seen it? I haven't seen that one. Okay, because yeah. one thing, because I know he didn't finish it, and I didn't know that Johnny Depp uh, and a couple of other A-list actors had to fill his spot mm. just to complete the movie. Yes. So um, I'm looking forward to getting into more of the, more of the, that series. And um, other than that, the subject at hand, which is uh, WWE Payback, but we'll get into that later on. Mm. Other than that, that's pretty much it. Oh, all right. That's what's up. What the hell you been up to? Uh, been uh, been watching movies as uh, usual. As per usual, been on my movie grind. Um, I caught a few, a uh, few new releases uh, this past week. Mm -hmm. um, one 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 film that I didn't put on the docket was this uh, film uh, by WWE Studios called Slight. How is that? 
You know, Slight, it's real quick, it's a movie with an interesting premise, but it felt a little lackluster in the end. I had a feeling about that. WWE Productions just ain't... Okay, I've only seen one, mm -hmm. and it was, it was a bad one. Oh, which one was that? The Marine, the oh. first one. <laughs> oh, John Cena. Oh, God, I just, all I could remember is just explosions, them walking, and every 15 minutes, John Cena's, I'm a Marine. Oh. I'm a Marine. <laughs> like, okay, oh. we get it. No, oh, did he no-sell explosions and bullets? I don't even remember. Oh, wow. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, um, I saw a uh, slight, and uh, the movie, like, it had an interesting premise about this uh, this young kid who's like a street magician who's trying to come up, uh, get, escape the drug game. Like, he's uh, he has to work for this uh, ruthless drug dealer. And the, the, the plot's a little cliche, and... Dooley Hill plays the... How was that? Dooley Hill plays... He plays the... The drug dealer? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Dooley Hill, he plays a drug dealer. And, um, like, it has an interesting premise in that the kid, uh, he has this electromagnetic um, battery, like, like embedded in his arm, and he uses it to manipulate uh, metal or and kind of and other objects for his, like, street magician act. Oh, what the hell? I thought he had powers. That's the thing. I thought he had powers, but then watching the movie, they could have taken all of that whole element out because they don't do much with it. it. And it could have simply been a, a simple story about an ordinary kid trying to get out the drug game. And it would have been, it would have made no difference. Like the powers really were had no little consequence to the film. And were there any wrestlers in it? There were no wrestlers in it. I'm uh, surprised. They usually yeah. like WWE films usually try to sneak one in. I know. I was I was on the lookout, but apparently they had nobody. Like I saw one person. I thought was that Braun Strowman? Nah. But then uh, the guy was way too small. And he looked like Fat Joe. So yeah, there were no there were no wrestlers to be found in it. And I won't spoil it, but the ending was dumb as hell. Like, like I, I sat there. I'm like, what? What is going on? Really? The the end credits. This is the shit that you give us. Did you see it in the theater? I saw it in theaters, and thankfully I saw it like in the afternoon, so I didn't pay full price. You get you a fire stick. I'm not getting no fight. Look, listen. I'm not. I am not streaming movies. Listen. I'm gonna say this right now. Streaming movies is wrong. I freaking love these rats. Keep this, going. It's, it's, <laughs> a, it's piracy. People. People. I. I just love the stupid ass justifications that people have for 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 streaming movies. They're like, oh, oh, uh, I, the the the, the quality is great. Bullshit. Pay for art. Listen. Support the artists that take their time to 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 uh, out of their day and sacrifice their time and effort to put out those movies that you like so much. Unless, Unless it's a shitty filmmaker like Adam Sandler or Tyler Perry, yeah, bootleg the fuck out of their movies. But if it's a great artist or some or a really interesting film or artist on the come up, support their films. Don't stream stuff online because online the quality is is booty anyway. You you want to go to the theater, the, the the most the best possible visual quality, the best possible sound quality, all of that. All right, streaming movies are stre streaming streaming movies is for suckers and that's the bottom line and you can say that victor Amayo said so anyway so if you had a fire stick would you have rather would you have rather um watch light on a fire stick i would have red boxed it all right <laughs> i would have red boxed it <laughs> but uh <laughs> okay <laughs> but uh anyway um yeah, but I'm just so, trying to get you to say. I'm just trying to help you save some money. Listen, I save. Listen, the 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 way the way movies are right now. I mean, 
uh, like whether it's we can rent movies off Amazon, Redbox, even Netflix, wherever. It's so affordable and so cheap. People have no excuse to bootleg, no excuse to stream movies online illegally. And most of those sites online that you stream movies from, full of malware and spyware, so, and, and and ransomware in some cases. So if your computer gets shut down because of one of those viruses, you deserve it. You totally deserve it. And I will sit there and laugh in your face. All right. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So uh, so so, so yes, yeah, slight. Slight, unfortunately, lives up to its title, so it's it's a red box movie or a, or a Netflix film that you see online. If you have nothing nothing better to do, you can, that's a movie you can pop on in the background. But I wouldn't recommend going and seeing it. But there are two movies that I do recommend watching. Okay. Um, oh, one one is a movie that I saw um, this past Sunday, and it's a really unique film. It's gotten a lot of strong buzz, and it's called Colossal. Really? And it's an independent movie, which is also a monster flick slash sci-fi, and it stars Anne Hathaway and Jason Sudeikis. And the I like Jason Sudeikis. Yeah, That's Ted Lasso. Mm-hmm. And and, uh, and and Colossal is a film by uh, written and directed by Nacho Vigalondo, who's a Spanish horror director. What's his name? Nacho Vigalondo. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the film the film stars Anne Hathaway as this woman named Gloria, who's this unemployed alcoholic writer, and she's extremely irresponsible. She makes every single excuse as to why you know she's just a shitty girlfriend and a shitty person all around. Uh, she pisses off her boyfriend so much because of her irresponsible irresponsible ways that her boyfriend kicks her out of their New York City apartment. And so she, she's, she's forced to move back to her small town, which is un, unidentified in the film. And then she uh, reunites with her childhood friend named Oscar, played by Jason Sudeikis, who gives her a job at, as a waitress at his bar that he owns, which is the best job you can give to an alcoholic. Um, and then... Oh my god, I really just thought about that. <laughs> and then, but then, like, things take a really weird turn when a giant monster appears and wreaks havoc in the city of Seoul, South Korea. And eventually Gloria realizes that the monster appears, uh, it manifests every time that she walks through this local playground in her small town at exactly 8.05 a.m. Like in this space, in this playground, like the monster also appears in Seoul and the monster takes on her exact mannerisms. So like when she scratches her head, the monster also scratches its head. But when she falls down, the monster also falls down. And you can do the math there. So when the monster falls down, then she it lands on buildings and lots of people, hundreds of people die. And uh, even more surprising is that her friend Oscar is in the exact same situation as every time he walks through that same playground, a giant robot appears in in Seoul, South Korea. And every time he moves around, the the robot moves exactly just like he does, and also causes destruction as well. So if like Jason Sudeikis, like if he swings his arm, then he'll then the robot might accidentally swat a building and kill more people. So it's it's extremely weird. It, it, I'm I'm trying to catch a visual, and all it's doing, all it's really doing is making my head hurt because it's hard to picture that. Yeah, unless I see it. Yeah, it's it's a really strange movie, and like the the monster, like the Gloria's monster, it could be seen as like a like like a visual metaphor for her alcoholism and how destructive like her actions are. Mm -hmm. Like even though it's self destructive behavior, like her actions also affect those around her. Like you know, like how how she pushes people away and all that. Um, but also, it kind of could it kind of could be seen as like. Like Gloria and Oscar, like the reason why the monsters are there and like the whole explanation is kind of hokey. It's a little bit, it's it's, it's a little bit dumb on, to to put it bluntly. I won't spoil 
spoil why, but like, th like I, I felt like the the premise wasn't really explored fully enough in this movie because like there's a lot of implications that could be made about these two, these two white people with their petty problems, you know, you know, fighting each other and then like the giant monsters are causing havoc in in South Korea because of their exact actions. And there's something to be said about you know. The, dest the destructive actions of two white people and how that's affecting this Asian country. There, there's something that could be said about that, but I'll I'll leave uh, like more like academic minds to kind of delve into that racial unexplored racial theme. Um, also, there are other supporting characters like um, there are two friends like uh, by played by Tim Blake Nelson and um, uh, Austin Stolwell. They're kind of underdeveloped. They're two dudes that that aren't that aren't you know too happy with uh, with. Oscar's actions and uh, Joel and uh, Austin Stowell's character Joel you know he kind of has a thing with Gloria and um, that's not explored fully enough so you don't see like their relationship you know really develop as much as you expect in a film um, but also I will say that uh, Anne Hathaway was really fantastic as the main character as like she plays this really unlikable unlikable idiot who's who's just somebody somebody just look at her and be like girl get your life and like it kind of reminded me of her character in this film rachel getting married where she also plays a self-destructive attention whore to, for lack of a better word she's not an actual whore but you, you, the expression attention whore and then um sudeikis like you know how sudeikis plays like a kind of like a nice everyman in all his movies yes, for, yeah kind of for the most part yeah in this movie like he plays a straight-up creep like, he's mad uncomfortable to watch in the movie. Have you seen what Ted Lasso looks like, his character, for the, um... Oh, man. He, yeah, he, he plays, um, he plays, a, he was a football coach, and he plays a, um... He, yeah, he plays a football coach, and he goes to get, um, to become coach of the Tottenham Hotspurs, which is a soccer team in England. Mm -hmm. And he literally thinks it's that he's still playing American football, so... It, and he's like a little country bumpkin, but still kind of an idiot. It's it's actually hilarious. Oh wow! But the way he looks, you know, with that mustache and stuff, he looks kind of he very looks kind of creepy. Yeah, so I can see. I can definitely see him like playing that type of creep. Yeah, and like he's like. Very... But the video is hilarious though. Oh nice. Yeah. So yeah, like in, in this movie, like he's definitely very uncomfortable to watch. Like, oh man. Like like the type of person that you don't want to be in the same room as, though, because the way he acts. Especially towards Gloria, and um, it's 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 definitely an off the wall film. It's a film that it's it's split down the middle. You either like this movie or you should have hate it. Um, for the most part, like for me, I there's a lot that I like about it, but I do feel like it's been rather overpraised by some critics. Like I don't think it's a brilliant movie, but I do respect its uniqueness. I th and I think it's worth seeing because it's definitely different than any other film that you'll see this year so far. So Colossal is something that I would recommend at least for, if not in the theater, then at least it's definitely worth a rental. You know, it's, it's a film that you, that, I, that people should watch and judge for themselves, and I'd like to hear what their opinions are. But I, I personally, I enjoyed the film. I thought it was all right. I give it like maybe a seven out of, seven out of ten, but I don't think it's like this masterpiece as some critics say it is. Red box, so you say? I say Redbox or Netflix. I mean, I, I'll say it's like Redbox is kind of at the bottom. I say it's a Netflix worthy. Okay. Yeah, Netflix worthy. 
Um, and uh, also the third film that I saw, which I'll give, this is a real quick recommendation. Um, this is a fantastic film. It's in limited, limited release uh, for our Rhode Island watchers. It's available at the, it's, a, it's currently playing at the Avon Cinemas, as well as the Showcase Cinemas in Warwick, Quaker Lane. And it's a film called The Lost City of Zed, which stars Charlie Hunnam. Um, and this film is based on the uh, two thousand. Like Charlie Hunnam. Yeah, that's Jack's, of, that's Jack's teller. Yep, Sons of Anarchy. You start. Yep, you start watching that yet? I will start watching it this weekend, which I said like the path of the past month. You've, you said that longer than a month, bitch. I know. Longer, but, longer. In in my defense, I've been catching up on Empire. I'm all caught up on Empire. Like so, so I, I am I am I will talk about that once that once the third season wraps up. I'll talk about that show a bit more because cool. I do have a lot of lots to say about it. But uh, the Lost City of what Zed. What else to say? Cookie's sexy. Of course she's sexy. And too. that's listen, all you need to know. Listen, and Neil Long. Neil Long was oh my god last week's episode. Yeah, I mean I will say Taraji P Hampton is my TV wife. Like I've had a crush on her for like since the days of Hustle and Flow, and like I don't know she's Bay. I love her. But anyway, you see Baby Boy. I've seen Baby Boy, but you know, you know what? I'm gonna say this: Baby Boy was all right at best. It wasn't exactly John Singleton's best, but it was an okay film. Are you worried about the damn movie? We're talking about Taraji and Baby Boy. Look, look, I know, look. Baby Boy was notable for having a lot of great sex scenes in it. I will say that, especially with Ving Rhames carrying uh, that woman like uh, freaking. Oh, the African, the African squat thrust. Yeah. <laughs> the African squat thrust. Yeah, yeah. So. By the way, we have our friend Jen over here. She's listening. You know, she's listening in. So if you ever see us laughing or looking over to the right. That, that's us. Say hi real quick. Hi. Hi, there we go. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Jen's off camera. She's uh, just watching us. So uh, shouts, to, uh, shouts to our friend Jen, friend of the show. She fed us well. Yes. By the way. Yeah, great cook. Great cook. Um, awesome burritos. You say you're. Oh, okay. Challenge accepted. You're throwing a challenge down, oh, down the gauntlet. Okay. I'm, jo I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. But, uh, but, uh, but real quick. Listen, it was good. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I, I know we're getting a little sidetracked, but I will, yeah. I will say that, um, like, at your at the WrestleMania 32 party, I will say, 30, Carl, 30. 30, 33, Carl, you, you like, you had like a. Just describe the recipe that you brought real quick. I ain't giving away my secret, but I made some Swedish meatballs and shit was bomb, and I made them in a crock pot. They were bomb. Yeah. All right, that's all. That's, that's all y'all need to know. Yeah. But anyway, um, real quick, real quick recommendation. Uh, this movie, like I said, is currently playing at the Avon and Showcase Cinemas in Warwick, a Quaker Lane. Uh, Lost City of Zed, which stars Charlie Hunnam and is written and directed by James Gray. Uh, this film is based on the 2009 non-fiction novel of the same name, written by David Gran. And this film, uh, Charlie Hunnam plays the uh, our British explorer, Percy Fawcett who was a, a British explorer in the early 20th century who made several expeditions to the Amazon and he found evidence of this lost ancient city which mm. he dubbed Z or Zed and um, throughout the throughout the film you see his various expeditions and his uh, his obsession his obsessive quest to uncover more and more evidence to prove to his colleagues that this civilization existed and it's really interesting because Charlie Hunnam gives a great performance in the film Oh yeah, he is. Like, I love seeing Sons of Anarchy get work afterwards. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like he plays like this distinguished Englishman who's like has a, has great leadership presence, and um, and and throughout the film, like he's kind of like trying to prove himself like as somebody who's worthy of being taken seriously, mm -hmm. and um, and you see like all uh, all of his expeditions in the jungle in Bolivia, which is just fascinating to watch. 
And uh, the, the film is just beautifully shot. It was, it was uh, the cinematographer was uh, Darius Kanji, who shot some films like Seven, Fight Club, and uh, Prometheus, among others. And like the film, and the film is just so beautiful and, and gorgeous. And the film actually unfolds in like this really, kind of like stately, like slow paced, ma matter of fact manner. Mm -hmm. So so don't go into it expecting like Indiana Jones or anything. Like it's a really it's a really slow, well-paced procedural, and um, it's a film that's really fascinating to watch. And also, Robert Pattinson is in it, who gives a great performance. Like I, I didn't even recognize him until like ten seconds into it, and he's Robert like a Robert Pattinson from Twilight. Yeah, like yo, you know Robert Pattinson. Don't judge me for knowing that, by the way. Yeah, I mean, yo, don't don't let Twilight fool you. He's he's done he's done plenty of really interesting work. Like he's a very good actor. I don't know from anything else but Twilight. Yeah, but I do recommend watching this movie for his performance in it too. Oh, okay. And like um, the the film is kind of kind of unfolds as like one of those like nineteen seventies new Hollywood type films, and it kind of has that same look and tone. It's like a film that could have been made from that era, and it was just released today. And James Gray, like his movies, are kind of unfolding with that same vibe. Name a couple other movies that, you, that James Gray directed. Uh, he did uh, the Immigrant uh, with Marion Cotillard. He also did uh, We Own the Night with Mark Wahlberg and Joaquin Phoenix. Which is kind of like a crime movie. Yeah, I remember it, but I never seen it. Like I remember the commercials and stuff. Yeah, he did that. He also did the Yards with Mark Wahlberg, which I heard was good. I haven't seen that one before. Oh. Yeah, and he also did a uh, Two Lovers with Joaquin Phoenix and Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, it's it's a it's a film that's like it's pretty fascinating. Um, it's a film that kind of reminds me of like um, Werner Herzog's film, like Aguirre, The Wrath of God and Fitzcarraldo about obsessive men, obsessive Europeans going into the jungle trying to prove themselves worthy of something. And uh, and even even though it's based on a historical it's based on historical fact and it's based on a figure, I won't spoil the ending for those who don't know Percy Fawcett's story, but The Lost City of Zed, it's a fascinating, mature film which I highly recommend. Gorgeous cinematography, awesome performances, an interesting story told in a really matter-of-fact way. And Charlie Hunnam, man, yo, I would love to see I would love to see him in more films, and I can definitely picture him as the next James Bond. Like, this film kind of gave me that. I could. I could, because, you know, he definitely has that presence. I could see him as the next James Bond. Him or Michael Fassbender. I would say Fassbender over James Bond. Of, um, Charlie Hunter. Yeah. Yeah, but I wouldn't mind either or. But, yeah, but definitely, yo, Lost City of Zed. Check it out, man. You plan on seeing the King Arthur movie that he's in? Uh, nah. I heard that movie. It's so funny because, like, Lost City of Zed got near universal praise but his king arthur movie got near universal like negative reactions really yeah like that's I, disappointing yeah i heard that heard that the king arthur movie wasn't too good so i might just rent it off redbox to judge for myself but i'm not gonna see it in theaters okay yeah so yeah that's pretty much it uh, what i've been up to all right let me just get on to the news and items of interest um yeah, I'll start with Unbreakable, sequel by M. Night Shyamalan. It's coming in 2019. Yep. So in a series of tweets on Wednesday, April 26th, Shyamalan confirmed that he is working on a sequel to his 2000 film Unbreakable, which will be titled Glass. Now, Glass is a follow-up to both Unbreakable and Split, which will star Bruce Willis, Samuel Jackson, James McAvoy, and Anya Taylor, and Glass Will, Sh Glass Will Shatter premiere in hmm. January 18th, 2019. Mm. Yeah, what do you I never see I never seen either one of those, but I, I um there's these videos I watch on YouTube called Honest Trailers. By the way, I gotta show you one. They just did one at La La Land. Oh I bet. 
And um, they kind of spoiled it for me saying that, uh, that um, Split is a prequel to Unbreakable. Um, I, don't, I don't think it's a prequel. I think it's a sequel. It's actually a sequel to oh, okay. sequel, Unbreakable. Right. And I'm actually pretty excited because like Unbreakable is a great film. It's I think it's M in my view it's M Night Shyamalan's best movie, and Split was very good. Like the ending when it ultimately revealed that yeah. it takes place in the Unbreakable universe, I was like, yo, because <sighs> Shyamalan's been talking about wanting to do an Unbreakable sequel for years, and then Split is kind of like a quasi sequel to that. So I'm really interested in seeing like how they're going to continue it with with all those characters from both films. I'm like Shyamalan has a bit of a demented mind, so why not? Yeah, like I'm glad that Shyamalan is starting to make good movies again because like he had a string of shitty ones like after Unbreakable and Sixth Sense. Signs. Like, like Signs. Signs was good up until the ending when you realize that the twist completely ruins the movie. <laughs> I mean, I haven't seen I haven't seen that one either. So like, I've been sweating it. You haven't seen the twist. You haven't seen the uh, signs. No, I don't think. Should I spoil it? Okay, go ahead. Um. All right. So if you haven't seen signs for some reason, well, the movie came out in two thousand two. So spoilers, spoilers, schmoilers, whatever. Apparently, the aliens invade Earth, right? Yes, sir. You want to know what their main weakness is? What kills them? Broccoli? I don't know. Water. <laughs> Water. Wow. Wow. These aliens invade a planet, which is mostly covered... 70%, yeah, like 70% water. Yes, 70% water. I don't know how they managed to survive, like, breathing in our, in our planet, but, like, literally, you pour water on them, and it burns like acid, and that's how they die. <laughs> And oh my God, that's that's a twist that destroyed the whole movie, and yeah. that kind of started the, like the whole Shyamalan uh, decline, where he made shitty movies, crappy movies like The Village, then The Happening, Lady in the Water, The Last Airbender, which was his absolute worst. But then he came back with The Visit, though. The Visit was very good, which we reviewed on the podcast. Um, so have you seen The Visit? Once I noticed that. Um like how horrible the last airbender looked i just just decided i'm not gonna give him nice shaman on the time of day yeah like have you seen the the avatar last airbender show mm -hmm. oh, man carl you the show? the show yeah i catch it here or there but i wasn't necessarily a hardcore fan of it oh man the whole series is great man you, you gotta you gotta watch the whole thing dude you're missing out on all these nerd stuff i miss a lot i miss all i do i miss out on a lot but um I'm catching up on. Give me some time. All right. Carl right. catches up on shit. Yeah, man, that should be a new segment of the show. <laughs> um, whatever, whatever, Jen. I didn't hear what she said. I said I'm like Victor. Take some five years to watch to catch up on something. Yeah. It doesn't take me five years to catch up on something. All right. Sons of Anarchy. Listen, I listen. I had Empire to catch up on, but I will watch Sons of Anarchy this weekend. It took him since October to catch up on Empire. And he binge watched for the weekend. Listen, man. When you he when was you got on season two. Listen, man. <laughs> when you have papers to grade, Carl, you don't have a lot of time to sit down and be in marathon shows. Yes, the hell you do. You just do it while you watch the damn show. Nah, son. I, I need full concentration, man. I can't be grading papers and watch the show at the same time. Can't, can't multitask. There's no such thing as multitasking, actually. No such thing. Yeah. No multitasking. You know what multitasking really is, though. They like me. 
It's basically like you're doing multiple things at once, but like you're concentrating on them one at a time, like short bursts. It gives you the illusion of doing stuff at the same time, but you're really not. Okay, let me have my illusion then. Damn. But you see, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to. I'm, anyway, <laughs> listen. I'm trying to. I'm trying to bring you from the from the brink of darkness and shit. But Aries, see you watching. I'm trying to piss them off just as much as you used to. Yeah, whatever, man. <laughs> but yeah, Unbreakable Glass. I can't wait for that movie. Uh, next up, next headline here. Uh, David Fincher is closing in to direct a sequel to World War Z. Uh, Paramount Pictures and Skydance Sky Dance Productions are moving forward with a sequel to, to the 2013 action horror zombie thriller film, uh, with David Fincher almost certain to direct this film, and Brad Pitt will return to star in the in it. Uh, production is likely to start early next year. And this will be uh, David Fincher and Brad Pitt's fourth collaboration. They previously did Seven, Fight Club, and The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Mm. Um, I never had interest in watching World War Z. Mm -hmm. simply fast, just because of the simple fact that I never liked the fast-paced moving zombies. Oh, really? I just never was a fan of them. They just never seemed really, they didn't seem real. They didn't seem dead to me. Hmm. That's why I prefer Walking Dead zombies over World War Z zombies, just because of the simple fact. It just seems more real, like they're dead, they don't really have too much, hmm. you know, maneuver, you know, function to their, you know, degrading, their, um, degrading body parts, so it's, hmm. ah. Okay, so you're more of like a traditional zombie. Yeah, you can, yeah, when it comes to zombies, I'm pretty traditional. Okay, indeed. Like, I haven't seen the first one, but I heard that the book was really good. So. I didn't know that was a book. Yeah, it started off as a book. I heard that the book of, was better than the movie. Like, the movie took a different approach. It happens a lot of times. I mean, yeah. you can't... Sometimes, you know... Remember, books go into full detail, so when they want to adapt them into movies, you kind of have to cram stuff into a two to three hour... Yeah. Two, 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 like, two to three hours, so... Oh, yeah. It's usually expected. I'd probably say the only time I would only... I would say that a movie was better than the book was I Am Number Four, because the book just seemed to just drag out a little too much. Mm. Mm, okay. Indeed. Uh, next headline here, a sad one, unfortunately. Uh, rest in peace to director Jonathan Demme. Uh, he was the Oscar-winning director of the 1991 film Silence of the Lambs. Uh, he passed away last Wednesday, April 26th, from cancer uh, at the age of 73. Mm. Uh, Demme, he directed such notable films as Philadelphia, uh, Something Wild, um, Beloved with Danny Glover and uh, Oprah Winfrey, uh, Married to the Mob, uh, the Manchurian Candidate remake with Denzel Washington, uh, Rachel Getting Married, and the 2015 comedy, comedy drama Ricky and the Flash starring Meryl Streep. Uh, Demi's final project was the concert film Justin Timberlake and the Tennessee Kids, which premiered on Netflix last October. So Jonathan Demi, great nice. filmmaker. Rest in peace, brother. Silence of the Lambs is a classic, man. Uh, it is. It, have you seen it? It's like a long time ago. Yeah, I, I love that film. Buffalo Bill, yeah. fucking nutcase. It rubs the lotion on the skin or else it gets the hose again. Right. And he goes like, so, uh, put the fucking lotion in the basket. God, <laughs> God that movie's great. So next up, Masters of the Universe is getting a reboot. Sony will release the reboot of the 1987 cult classic flop on December 18, 2019. David S. Goya will be writing will be writing the screenplay. No word on who will be directing. The, the reboot was previously in and out of development in recent years with McGee originally at the helm. Hmm. Wait, what, what, have, you, 
Have you seen the original film? No, but I watched the cartoon religiously as a kid. Yeah, that was one of my favorites. And I love the what's going on video online. So I, my question is, who could play He-Man? Damn. That's a good question. I'm trying to figure out who could play He-Man. Like... I'm just throwing a name out there. Charlie Hunnam, maybe. Chris Hemsworth. Chris Hemsworth. I think Chris Hemsworth, Chris Hemsworth would be an obvious choice. Yeah, it is. That's why. That's the only ones I could think like, of. Maybe Liam Hemsworth. But then again, he's like, too small. He can kind of beef up a little, or maybe they'll put CG on him. Um, no, don't do that. Zac Efron. <laughs> I mean, he's he does. Short. But he does have short. the physique. Um, yeah, but he's still smaller though. He yeah. man was jacked. Mm, he like, was big jacked. Uh, Hell, Triple H, shit. You know what? Throw some hair in him. I was I would see a Triple H He-Man film produced by WWE Studios just God, to see how much awful. of a train wreck that would be. That would be awful. The only thing that would make it better is if they play, if they just do the "What's going on?" Yeah. <laughs> oh man! Like I remember watching the old Masters of the Universe movie, the live-action one. Oh man! A friend of mine bought that on DVD on Blu-ray. Like wow. he literally caught it for like maybe four bucks. Damn. <laughs> and I laughed. Like, I just laughed just looking at Dolph Lundgren and I, on the cover. I'm just, I just had, you really spend money on this. <laughs> yeah, like, Dolph Lundgren as He-Man, it's exactly what you would expect. Yeah. And, like, I remember liking that movie as a kid, but then again, like, I was about five, six years old, so what right. the hell did I know? Uh, but I think it's, like, it's one of those, like, campy movies you throw in and just, like, watch and accept it for what it is. Like, yeah. especially for its time period. Yeah. And I think that maybe... Like the first three Spider-Man movies, except for two. Well, well, Spider-Man's one and two were great, but three was eh. Yeah. But I think that if they make the new Masters of the Universe uh, film and it kind of had that same campy spirit, it could work. But with David S. Goyer as a screenwriter, he's been... I don't know, he's been kind of hit and miss. Like, he's been... He did great work with uh, Batman Begins okay. and uh, The Dark, Dark Knight Rises, but then he also did... Uh, Blade Trinity and Man of Steel. Uh, which, I don't know. He's, like I said, very hit or miss. Yeah. Um, yeah, but we'll 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 see. We'll see. I'll, I'll keep an eye on the, on this news as it develops. Um, next next up, uh, Netflix is rebooting uh, Carmen Sandiego as an animated kids series. Um, uh, the new series will premiere in 2019 with uh, Gina Rodriguez starring as the title character. And Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things will star as Carmen's fellow thief player. That just reawakened the little kid in me. Mm. I loved Carmen Sandiego. I used to love playing the games. Mm. Um, I watched the Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah. Every afternoon at 5 o'clock, I watched the game show. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, how, that's, how, that's how I got so good at geography. Yeah. I loved Carmen Sandiego. I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, man. I, I, I watched like the first three episodes, get happy, and I'm like, all right, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, you know, I did enjoy the shows, the, the game show and the animated show when I was a kid. Yeah, and it's well, just, I would hope so. It just was amazing. They were. I mean, like... They I wanted were, to be on that show so bad. Yeah. <laughs> I knew I would win. I knew where everything was at, and I knew I would win. Yeah, it was like it was a pretty cool like geography lesson. Like it was like a it was one of those educational shows that was also cool. Yeah. Yeah. So hey, everybody remembers the theme song sung by Rockapella. Oh yeah. We don't need to sing it, but 
Yeah. Y'all know the song. Mm-hmm. The 80s babies. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I think it's a, it's great for a new generation of kids. They can enjoy it. Uh, I'll let you have this one. Uh, next headline here. Oh, Jesus. Uh, the fate of the furious hits the $1 billion mark. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, Fast and the fate of the furious or or F-A, get it? Because it's spelled fate. We get it. Just read the damn thing. <laughs> uh, fate became the 30th film in history to gross $1 billion worldwide. Yeah, so our studio audience over there is applauding too. Um, so apparently... Um, Popcorn-munching, mouth-breathing, masturbating, book-hating, school-bunking, culture-lacking, nose-picking, ass-scratching, simpletons have money, enough money to make this movie a billion-dollar grossing uh, film. And mind you, the whole... Good job, guys. Good job. Mind you, I... Okay, like, listen, I do... I, I really like the franchise a lot. I have the I have the seven film series in my collection. Now he likes the franchise a lot. Now he does. Listen, I've, I, I, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. Since twenty, you hate it. You since, since twenty fifteen, man. I think I influenced that one. You did not influence. High five to you. Yeah, high five. Boom. Listen, uh, Jen, you did not influence my like, my, yes, my interest for fate. I influence you in everything. <laughs> listen, okay, listen. Back in twenty fifteen, I, I, I revisited the Fast and Furious franchise with Furious Seven. I liked it, and I, and I watched the other films, and I liked them, even Tokyo Drift. But listen, man, I'm... We want to be suspended from reality. But when everything doesn't have to be real and cancer-filled. I would love to see, I, w I would love to see independent films gross that much money and get that much traction. Like, I would love to Tyler see... Tyler Perry. No. <laughs> I would, I would, I would love to see a film like Moonlight be a billion dollar worldwide grocer. That's a film that deserves that kind of uh, accomplishment. I've never seen it, but from what I keep hearing, I'm sure it deserves to, but it yes. just never really gets put out there like the Fast and the Furious stuff. Well, if the Moonlight had Fast and the, Fast and the Furious's pr promotion team, mm -hmm. hell, it probably would've made it. It probably would. And you, okay. look, and, and you know what, you should, so, you should see Moonlight because it's a phenomenal movie. I do want to see Moonlight. I'm very interested in seeing Moonlight. And you should. I will get to it one day. All right. All right. Eventually. <laughs> but but yeah, um, uh, currently uh, th there are only three films uh, in history that have grossed the $2 billion mark, and that's Avatar by James Cameron, mm -hmm. Titanic, and Star Wars The Force Awakens. You know, Titanic has been on like every weekend for like the past two or three weeks. Mm -hmm. It has? Yep, and I've been watching them at work every single time. Wow. I've done, I did like a report back in the day. I actually learned. Like, there's stories in my family that I actually had a relative on the Titanic. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, she was like a maid. Um, she was like one of the maids, maids to the rich family. She didn't make it, unfortunately. Mm. But um, we've been trying to, like, find records for years, and we really haven't found anything. But, mm. but yeah, that story's been told for, like, years in my family that we did have a relative on there. Wow, that's, that's incredible. Yeah, it is. And the guy who, uh, Robert Ballard, who actually, um, I think I told you this a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. um, the guy who rediscovered the Titanic is a teacher at URI. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you did, you did tell me that uh, a couple weeks ago. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, that's what's up. And Titanic is a classic film. Um, so, yeah, Fate of the Furious. Congratulations. 
one billion dollars. So apparently, I, I this this would this would indicate that um, parts nine, nine and ten will not be the final two films in the franchise. We're gonna see this film, this franchise last for the next twenty years. Thanks a lot. Sure, why the f not? Yeah, the the, 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 the franchise is it's literally, it's, it's literally gonna go into space. But anyway, uh, Aris, you called it. Yeah, whatever. Get them copyrights. Mm -mm. But uh, uh, moving and on. We said on the Codex Prime podcast. Yeah, move. first. Yeah, sure, whatever. You uh, said it first. You better mm. take that credit. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, but this movie making a billion dollars? Shit. We would get paid. We should get paid. We'll trademark that right away. But uh, yeah, uh, next headline here. Um, unfortunately, uh, some sad news. Uh, there are no plans from Lucasfilm to release the original unaltered versions of the Star Wars trilogy. Uh, Lucasfilm president Kathleen Kennedy uh, confirmed that the studio will not touch George Lucas's special editions, which have been met with fierce and sustained criticism by fans for the past 20 years, and for good reason. Uh, when Lucas worked on the special editions, uh, he reportedly altered the original film prints of the trilogy, which means that the actual original film prints of the original trilogy no longer exist. So, um, unfortunately, there were rumors of Disney re-releasing the original unaltered versions of the trilogy for the 40th anniversary of Star Wars, but those rumors were, were ultimately proving false. Don't you have the despecialized versions? Because I remember you did a Victor's Corner where you basically talked about a half, talked for a half hour at Jones and about how great they are and stuff. Yes. Yes, I do have. Which was a one-time, Jen, you're going to love this. A one time where Victor actually bootlegged a movie. Okay. Technically, three movies. Mm -mm. Hold on. Listen. Listen. I, I, I have, I have, a, I have something to say about this. How movie. did you get? It? How did you get the movie? I got it from Aris, who downloaded it offline. But listen. <laughs> there you go. Bootleg. But listen. <laughs> listen. Might as well bought it in a corner for five dollars. No, listen. <laughs> All right. They were actually on sale at Comic Con too. They they were. I saw them. I saw them. But I I gotta say this though. I think it's I think it's an absolute injustice that the original Star Wars trilogy will never see the light of day as an official release, and that George Lucas actually meddled with the original film prints by replacing them with the altered special editions with the shitty special effects and all that, and Hayden Christensen and Return I of the Jedi. I was waiting for you to get to Hayden Christensen. Yeah, I mean, boy. I mean, because when when you mess with the film prints. You're messing with film history because there's a whole generation of fans of the Star Wars trilogy, which I'm a part of, that remember the original films as they were growing up. Mm -hmm. And now with these un with these un with these ultra special editions as the permanent record now, generations of kids are going to grow up watching the special editions thinking that, oh, this, these, this is the way these movies always were. And that's not the case. Which is why I am so happy that the despecialized editions exist, because it took a bunch of Star Wars enthusiasts from all over the world to reassemble the original Star Wars trilogy in the original form as it was, untouched, unaltered, and unfortunately, it's only available as as a illegal download online, which is the sole exception that I will say. I don't advocate as a downloading films online, but if it's a film that is not available for official release and that will never be available for official release, then this is the absolute exception. Yes, download the hell out of the despecialized editions. Motherfuck 
the the official Star Wars trilogy Blu-rays. Those are shit. Those are absolute shit. The despecialized editions Don't are what? Don't you got the Blu-rays? Unfortunately, I, I do for the historical record for posterity. But and 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 also I have those to cover to cover my tracks legally, because you know because you know whatever it's a it's a whole bunch of legal legal mumbo jumbo. But the bottom line is, the despecialized editions are the Star Wars editions that that that. Future future generations of Star Wars kids should sit down and watch. The, the special editions suck ass. Forget them. Those are not historically accurate. Watch the despecialized editions. Bootleg them. Buy them from your man's in them at the corner store. Um, <laughs> yeah, go, go to comic go to Comic Con go to Comic Con and buy them if buy them joints if they're available on Blu-ray, DVD, whatever. Get your hands on the despecialized editions because that's the only way you can watch the original Star Wars trilogy in its original unaltered form. That's the only exception I have for legal downloads. All right. Moving on. Yeah. Jeff Goldblum returning for Jurassic World sequel. Goldblum will reprise his role as Dr. Ian Malcolm from Jurassic Park and the Lost World for Jurassic World 2. Yeah. Cool. I like Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, Jeff Goldblum, he's a great actor. And you know, Dr. Ian Malcolm is one of the fan, was a fan favorite from the first film. Oh, yeah. And uh, The Lost World, eh, you can do without that film. Um, I think, if anything, uh, Ian Malcolm will definitely be the one memorable character from the Jurassic World franchise because um, I can't tell no, you. Samuel Jackson. And Samuel L. Jackson. Don't need but. Yep. And uh, Jurassic World, I did not really care for. I thought it was mad boring. Which uh, is... I, haven't, I still haven't seen it yet. I remember, I remember Maurice Johnson about it, but I still haven't had a chance to see it. Yeah, like the the first film is the only one you really need to see in the whole franchise. Really, I have sentimental value for the first two movies because I saw with a friend of mine, with a, not a friend, with a relative of mine who passed away, so mm. we were really close. So, I'm like, I, I, if I see it again and happen to buy it, I will buy it just for that reason. Mm. Awesome. I haven't seen. We haven't seen the third one yet. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Jurassic World three was was pretty bad, um, and Jurassic World was not much better, but the first one is still a classic. So hey, oh yeah, hey, oh yeah, the first one, yeah, I still love it to this day. Oh yeah, and uh, last news headline here, which will kind of segue into our main topic, uh, Vince McMahon, uh, a Vince McMahon biopic is being produced by Sony Pictures. Uh, the film will be called Pandemonium. And it will follow the rise of Vince McMahon and the WWE. Uh, directors are John Requa and Glenn Ficarra, who both uh, worked on Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. And Craig A. Williams will be writing the screenplay for this film. Uh, WWE Studios will also be involved in the production, of course. And in addition to this uh, Vince McMahon film, uh, WWE is also working on an working on a, a documentary on Andre the Giant with HBO. Yeah, it's a, it, actually Andre the Giant's <laughs> daughter is involved in that process, in that um, project too. So oh, it nice. kind of have to be because she has like, by law, she has all the rights to, you know, Vince, to Andre's likenesses and all that. But mm. um, I'm really iffy about it. Because I mean, even, come on, if somebody was doing a, a movie about me that like the temptations of lying would be just way too high mm. <laughs> and there's like so much bad shit that Vince has done over the years where he you know he would embellish and all that so I wouldn't get any I wouldn't know if it was if it was the truth I mean like like okay for instance the recent the most recent biopic I've seen was the new edition movie 
Mm-hmm. And that actually felt honest. Yeah. And it was very, very good. Mm-hmm. Did you like the new edition movie, Jen? Hell yeah. Yeah, see? It was honest, so. Um, and question, who do you see playing Vinny Mac? I don't know. I cannot. I don't know. He's like a one-of-a-kind person. He just... Yeah, he is. It's very hard to picture. You, no, I can't. Yeah, it's very hard How to about picture. the new film um, coming out, all, the, all Eyes on Me, the Tupac? Oh, oh, no. oh, I can't wait to see that one next yeah, month. Yeah, All Eyes on Me, that should be very interesting. And the actor looks exactly like Tupac. Exactly. I just um, wonder if it's going to be better than Notorious. It should be. It should yeah, be. D- yeah, I would say because Pop had a much more deeper story with uh, than uh, Biggie, to my opinion. Um, you know, with his mo- with his mom being a Black Panther and all that, and then going from Baltimore, you know, going from New York to Baltimore to California, and mm-hmm. you know, the different worlds, mm-hmm. and especially the time where you know he was coming up, especially with um, I think he was in he was in New York, um, excuse me. Um, LA during the riot during the riots and stuff so um, Mm. like from that perspective I would really really be interested in seeing that Mm. indeed yeah and as far as the uh, Vince McMahon biopic goes um, I think another title should have been what a maneuver no no as a old school as an old school wrestling head Mm. pandemonium's perfect he said that a lot back in the days when he was commentating yeah he did it's like, kind of yeah, I'm trying to see who would play Vinny, Vince McMahon. Like, I can't they picture. Might, I can't picture anybody. Like, like they could they could go with an unknown actor, but they me, would have to be. Yeah, it would have to be an unknown. Yeah, or like if somebody if it's somebody well known, maybe Alec Baldwin. Mm, maybe. Um, yeah, I guess. Or um, yeah. Meryl Streep as Linda. <laughs> I don't know. I'm uh, just thinking. Daniel Day Lewis. <laughs> Daniel Day Lewis could play anything. He probably could pull off Vince McMahon. Yeah, yeah. But it would be it would be a hell of a. Saying, if they can make Michael Douglas young, how? Come on now. Ben Affleck <laughs> as Vince McMahon. Wow. Come on now. <laughs> or how about this Mark Wahlberg as Vince McMahon? Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. Okay, hey, no. You, hey, buddy. Hey, you have no chance in hell. You're fired. <laughs> That was actually really good. <laughs> no, I'll give you that one. That was pretty good. Oh man, Marky Mark. But I can see Marky Mark playing John Cena. But anyway, oh yeah, definitely. He's just yeah. too short. Yeah, but Mark Wahlberg has to like go to get on his pain and gain grind, and you know, hit the hit the gym a little bit, and he can pl- pull off the role. But yeah, like, but that's 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 probably another question of the week. Who would who could you see? Playing Vince McMahon. I Email the show. I have a question of the week. Yeah. Let me even... Email the show at CodexPrimePodcast yeah. at gmail.com. It's an unofficial question of the week. I have one later on. So moving on, uh, we're gonna that kind of, the, the Vince McMahon talk kind of segues into our main topic, which is WWE Payback, uh, which was this past Sunday at the uh, SAP Center at San Jose, California. Oh, yeah. Um, Carl, uh, maybe you should start this off because I know you had a a lot to say about this uh, Raw exclusive pay-per-view. Let's go down the list first. Let's let's go down the list and go down the card first. Yeah, let's let's do that. Um, So we started off with uh, the first show of the uh, the first match of the evening, which was uh, the U.S. title match with Chris Jericho uh, versus uh, Kevin Owens, the face of America. Um, And uh, what did you think of the what did you think of that match? Wasn't a bad match. Mm. wasn't bad. I mean, I wouldn't, wouldn't be a match of the year qualifier, but yeah, it, it wasn't bad. 
Somebody made the list and I was happy. Yeah, like it, it, it was a it was like he told that little boy on the side, like you just made the list. I was like, that kid's gonna remember that for the rest of his life. Oh yeah, that shit is awesome. Yeah, like it was it was a pretty it was a it was a you know decent contest. Um, there, there was one point where uh, uh, Jericho got Kevin Owens in the walls of Jericho, and then Kevin Owens, you know, once again reached to yeah, oh yeah, finger, with his, with his finger and and hit and grabbed the ropes to get the break. Yeah, so Chris Jericho smashed his finger and went into the steps. Yep. So he did that, and then um, he ultimately, and then surprisingly, uh, Jericho actually tapped out Kevin Owens to win his second U- uh, United States Championship, which means that Jericho is also a part of the SmackDown roster. Yeah. So now the United States title is in SmackDown. Yeah. The title switch. Yep. So yeah, that was that was pretty cool, and you know it's interesting because uh, I thought that Jericho would lose because um, there were you know reports that he was gonna you know ultimately leave and go back to Fozzie for a while. Yeah. But hey, you know more. It could probably still happen. It could, but hey, more Jericho and Owens is good enough for me. You know, because they have excellent chemistry. They do. They yeah. they really really do. Yep. And then you have the next match, which is Austin Aries versus Neville for the Cruiserweight Championship, the rematch uh, from their WrestleMania 33 pre-show. Uh... I uh, originally read your tweet. And um, I agree. The ending really just messed the whole match up. You know, I enjoy the cruiserweight. I enjoy the cruiserweights all together. Um, but just the ending, he just lost in typical heel, typical heel fashion. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they could die. They could have done something better. Yeah, like um, Neville, like uh, Austin Aries got Neville in his submission move, the last chancery. And I, that move is fire, by the way. It is. I really like that. And um, and just when Neville appeared to tap out, he grabbed the referee and just flung him over. And then the referee disqualified uh, Neville. Um, unfortunately, the title cannot change hands on a DQ, so Neville still is the Cruiserweight Champion. Um, this was a, I thought it was a bullshit finish, and because, like, it really doesn't do any favors for the Cruiserweight division, um, like, I, I, I fully expected Aries to, you know, you know, get, for Neville to get his receipt, and for Austin Aries to finally win the Cruiserweight Championship, unless they're dragging out their program for, like, maybe a couple more pay-per-views, Just but... Okay. Nowadays, if you really notice in programs, they, programs, they usually drag it out to one, to three pay-per-views. Mm, yeah. So I don't know. Maybe maybe they're building towards uh, Jack Gallagher being the next cruiserweight champion. Who knows? But which I wouldn't mind because Jack Gallagher is a amazing athlete. But at the same, I'm going. I rather I want to see Sed win it. Oh who? Sed Cedric Alexander when he yeah. comes back. My top three yeah. favorite cruiserweights: mm-hmm. T.J. Perkins, mm-hmm. Cedric Alexander, and Mustafa Ali. Yeah, Mustafa Ali is great. Great. He's like a he's like kind of like Seth Rollins. Yeah, yeah. similar. Um, and uh, TJ Mano good does his theme song. Oh really? Yeah, nice. And TJ Perkins, I'm glad that he finally embraced the heel. I don't like his heel turn. You don't? I mean, I don't like it. It just doesn't see. It just seems like he he's too much of a, he he's too much of like a nice guy to like be a heel. Well, like he just has that nice guy image, and it's like, well, I'm not buying. You may enjoy. You may like it. I'm not buying it. 
Well, the thing is, like, I kind of do buy it because, A, like, the fans were booing him. They were actually giving him, like, go-away heat, like, for, for, like, quite a while. And I think WWE kind of actually leaned in on that and actually allowed him to embrace that heelishness. And plus, TJ Perkins does kind of have that cocky, cocky, cockyish, cockiness to him. And, like, any grown man who still does the dab is an automatic heel in my book. <laughs> so, you know... Let let him let him heal it up. I mean, at least they let at least they let the crowd reaction dictate his heel turn. I don't know why they they don't do it with Roman Reigns, but at least at least T.J. Perkins, at least they, they can you know let him explore it a little bit. I mean, because I can kind of see him being that smarmy nerd who like the the nerd that you love that you just love to hate. Somebody who's like a know it all and you just want to smack around a little bit. It's like yeah, we get it. You love you love eight bit games. Who cares, man? Just get out of my face. I love Epic Games. I love Epic Games too, but don't rub it in people's faces like, oh yeah, I'm I'm the Uber nerd and you're not, you know. I mean, at least that's what I see in his character. So I'm looking forward to seeing where his heel turn might take him. I mean, if it gets strong crowd reactions in a positive way, even though he's a heel, I'm for it. I'm sure I'm on success for the guy. But yeah, I'm a TJ, I'm a TJP fan. So oh, me too, me too. I mean, he's and he's, and he's got one of the be best uh, interest themes. Oh, I freaking do cardio tonight. <laughs> yeah, the eight bit chip tune. Yeah, yeah. the Wiley. Yeah, it's Dr. Wiley's theme from Mega Man Two, oh. just remixed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I'm surprised Capcom didn't file a lawsuit. <laughs> Probably paying some royalties. Well, they switch it up, so you can't say it's not it. But if you really sound like, if you really listen to it, it sounds a lot like it. It does actually. Yeah. Um, the ne next. Next, uh, next one is a WWE Raw Tag Team Titles with uh, the Hardy Boys as the champions defending against Cesaro and Sheamus. Uh, Solid match. Mm -hmm. Very hard hitting too. Predictable heel turn. Yeah, uh, I saw that come in two weeks ago. Yeah, uh, it, it definitely it definitely was uh, something you saw a mile away. I mean. There were some stiff, some stiff hit shots in the in the in the match with Sheamus delivering a stiff penalty kick to Jeff Hardy's jaw, deleting his tooth. <laughs> Delete. And uh, uh, Cesaro and Sheamus, they did a heel turn on on the Hardys post match. You know, gave him the beat down after failing to win the tag team titles. So it appears that they're kind of working towards uh, maybe Cesaro and Sheamus eventually winning, but then maybe having the Hardys kind of break up a little bit with Matt Hardy fully embracing the broken Matt character, which is still in a legal quagmire with uh, Anthem or TNA, or Impact Wrestling, rather. Yeah, I heard, I, heard, I heard they have plans on bringing that in. Yeah, like you can see a bit more and more about it. Like if you see Matt Hardy's but, tweets. Yeah, and you can you can just see it because everybody, when it comes out, everybody's going, delete, 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 and he kind of gets to... Uh, yeah, and and the thing is, it's like with um, like, with with the with the Hardy Boys with the broken Matt universe stuff, it, it was it on on the surface it was so ridiculous. Some would say stupid when it was when it first unfolded in Impact Wrestling. It was so dumb it became brilliant, but then it became genuinely brilliant because Matt Hardy took this outlandish character which shouldn't have worked and, and made it work. And made it work. Look at the New Day. Yeah, like like the, the new, new day. Game. I thought it was the most coonish thing in Walking God's Green Earth, and everybody loves it. Oh, uh, with with the new day when I'm, they first came out, when they first came out with that the whole black church choir and stuff, and I was just like, ah, oh, Jesus. Look, I will admit that they were there. It was a touch. I wouldn't go so far as to say that the new day was the the whole act was coonish when they first came out. I I definitely see what you're saying though. Yeah. 
there were some elements there which I was a little concerned like I don't know it even it got to a point where Steve Austin on his show said that you know he was concerned that Big E should was shucking and jiving yeah that's not yeah that's what I actually said that on my first appearance on the on the podcast and I wanted to see I were I would have wanted rather have seen them do a uh, like a new nation of domination but then again at that time you know there was all the um the shootings that were the police brutality and all the shootings that were going on so I figured that would be too much of a touchy subject yeah. during this PG era so I mean mm-hmm. good I guess Chuck and Jab, Chuck and Jab away. It's it's working. Um, I mean, but uh, at least at least they're not like black, they're not stereotypical with it. I mean, they're not too. Themselves. Yeah, they're not that. Yeah, it's not that bad. It's yeah. grown away and it's gone to. Yeah, it's it's blown up. And also, pretty much everything Chris Jericho does is. I mean, come on, the dude has made. The dude has put over a clipboard. He did. And a pen. And and, also, and I love that shit. Yeah, and he also put all, put over the catchphrases "stupid, stupid idiots. idiots" and "it." Yeah. He, he only him could put over that. Put literally. Like, okay, it. This, he puts that over. Jericho is the goat. There's no argument here. I mean, he is. He is undoubtedly he is one of the greatest of all time. He is. He is. But uh, and Jericho, he's he's definitely a Hall of Famer. Like he's first be ballot. A, yeah. First ballot. Yeah. Yeah, like maybe he can go in next year with old man Grandpa Taker. If and, you don't you know. stop bad mouthing my boy, <laughs> I'm I'm still sensitive, man. I'm still sensitive about it. Too soon. Yeah. Don't be mad. I'm gonna beat you. But but yeah, like um, but but yeah, getting back to the Hardy Boys real quick, I will say that I am concerned about WWE handling the Broken Hardy universe because. Matt Hardy did such a great job with it, and I do recommend that fans go on YouTube and watch the final deletion with the Hardy Boys match, the final deletion from Impact Wrestling, which is 16 minutes of some of the most off-the-wall stuff that you can only get away with in professional wrestling. If it works, they, so would ha- they would have to give Matt Hardy like creative control, like, they yeah. have, like, how, they did Br- like how Bray Wyatt has creative control of his character. Yeah, but with Bray Wyatt, we're gonna get into that in a bit. Uh, after after this next match, okay. Uh, next match was the uh, WWE Raw Women's Championship with Alexa Bliss defeating the Women's Champion Bailey, um, which was a, a very good match, uh, very good back and forth. And Bliss became became the first woman in WWE history to win both the Raw and SmackDown Women's Championships. Good for her. I'm not knocking her. Yeah, I mean, Bliss, she really came a long way since her days in NXT. Yeah. And I've always been a fan of hers, even when she was like the white meat baby face when she first started with the with the glitter and whatnot. Yeah, by all means, you know, Bliss, um, you deserve it. Um, they always do the whole, if you have a problem with um, Bailey losing in her hometown, they always do that. Mm-hmm. That's literally like a, tra- it's like a wrestling tradition where you just lose in your hometown. Yeah, like hometown heroes always fall in the WWE, which is pretty weird. I wouldn't even say all just in WWE, WCW too. Really? Oh yeah. Hmm. Yeah. But yeah, well deserved win by Alexa Bliss. I'm not glad- bad ma- Not bad. Not a bad match at all. Yeah, and um, you know, Alexa Bliss is she's a hell of a talent, and I'm looking forward to seeing what magic she can bring to the Raw Women's Division, especially with matches with Mickie James, which will be cool because Alexa Bliss is kind of like a young Trish Stratus. She kind of looks like her a bit. Mm-hmm. So I could definitely see definitely some, some good chemistry between those two in the ring. And um, 
you know, I, I'm looking forward to it because the women's division of Raw is pretty, some pretty good stuff. And then, I'll tell you what, but I'll tell you what's not pretty good stuff. Um, this match right here, if you want to call it a match, uh, the House of Horrors match between Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton. Uh, Mr. Bird, you want to take it away? Because I don't know where to begin with this bullshit. I really don't. That's a nice movie. To me. It was a nice... It, it was a fight scene from a movie. <laughs> It, it, That's literally what it was. See, well, all right, all right. Apparently, like uh, the house of the house of horrors match, like the first half of the match was pre-taped because it, it took place in the dead of night. But yet, the live event was taking place in the daylight. In this, in one of the local houses in the area, San Jose. Not to mention the house. No, the house was actually that was filmed in Missouri. Really. Yeah, because the house is actually for sale. It's up for sale for thirty only thirty six thousand dollars. <laughs> oh my god! Wow, it, it it was just so poorly planned out. I mean, and then not to mention when Orton got Orton was you know had his facial hair during the mat during that while they were fighting at the house, and then when he shows up to the arena, he's clean shaved. Oh wow! I didn't even know why I didn't pick that up because like. The, the, I'm surprised you didn't. Somebody as detailed as you are, I'm surprised you didn't pick that up. Nah, because I was just I was just busy tweet live tweeting like my thoughts on it. Oh man! And like I was watched the House of Horrors match. Like I was like, it was like w, it was like WWE Studios like like yep, that's bolt, BS take on Resident Evil Seven because it yep. kind of reminded me of the Jack Baker house. Yeah. Like I fully expected like the Baker family to come in and run an interference. Like good God, he's broke. He, they cut Randy Orton in half. And like, like Randy Orton walked through this walk through this room with like dolls, dolls like hanging on off the ceiling. I mean, it, it has the creepy effect. It would have it would have been a nice movie. Like it would it would have been movie fight scene. Like it would have been something like a, a a cool movie fight scene because it has some decent atmosphere. I'll give it that. Some yeah. some good lighting. I'll yeah. give it that. I'm I'm looking for I'm searching for positives in this match, and then like. Like this could this could definitely fit in like Lucha Underground or the, no no it, it, no it, it could, it's like, a movie no 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 because no, it, it's a movie you've seen Lucha Underground's vignettes right you've seen yeah. Lucha Underground stuff right not really like Lucha Underground like their their backstage vignettes are shot like movies they have like the film filter and everything so like with the outlandish characters it's basically like a like a fictional TV show mm -hmm. with wrestler with wrestling as like their universe. So that's why I say that this could this style could fit with Lucha Underground, and this style could fit with like the Broken Hearted Universe, like from Impact Wrestling. But WWE's production values, well, production or their whole writing staff and and with the universe, it, it doesn't fit. It's a movie. It doesn't movie. fit. And then like Randy Orton like dumped the refrigerator. Well, Bray Bray Wyatt dumped the refrigerator on top of Randy Orton and then took a limousine to the arena. Yep, that's a nice 28-hour drive. <laughs> Which is a 20-hour drive, because apparently the house was in freaking Missouri. Missouri. And then, uh, oh, oh, oh my gosh. It, well, you know what was so hilarious? When when uh, when Bray Wyatt, when it cut to him, like, going into the limousine and going to the arena, it cut to uh, Michael Cole, Booker T, and um, um, who was the third comic? Corey Graves. C Corey Graves. There, and then, like when it when it cut to them in the arena, you could you could audibly hear the audience like loudly booing the shit out of. Oh, what I just saw. this ma this match was 
poorly received. It was so poorly received that like um, I was watching like live live tweet videos from people in the in the in the, in the audience watching it live. There were chants of boring, boring, mm -hmm. boring, and bullshit. Mad people went to the bathroom during this match. <laughs> it was it was a shit show. And then and then apparently. Um, Apparently, uh, because of the 20-hour drive, we had to go to our next segment, our next match, which thankfully was Seth Rollins, a.k.a. CrossFit Jesus, versus a Samoan, Samoan shmoney machine, Samoa Joe, which was a very good match. It was. And uh, Seth Rollins, the, the babyface, he did get the win over Samoa Joe. He had good comeuppance after getting jumped by him and re-injuring his knee briefly before WrestleMania 33. So, good match. You know, two bona fide main eventers. Um... No, can't say nothing more about that. It was good stuff. And uh, then uh, the the House of Horrors match continued in the arena with a clean-shaven Randy Orton coming into the ring. Bray Wyatt somehow had time to do his dry, dry ice lantern entrance on his way to the ring. Then the match ended with uh, Jinder Mahal and the Singh brothers, the formerly the Bollywood boys, interfering. Bray Wyatt getting the win, and nobody gave a shit. They really did not. Oh man, I threw so much shade on on the Codex Prime Twitter on this match. Oh, Probably was at Codex Prime Cast, but go ahead. Yep, at Codex Prime Cast, and th this was definitely by far the worst segment I've seen from WWE all year. Yeah, it was hilarious. Like on many levels, it was. Like I really just watched this, and I'm just like, wow. Yeah, like it was just poorly executed. Like I don't even think anybody, any, and I know no wrestling fan wants to buy that house as cheap as it is. I don't think anybody wants to. Just yeah. the simple fact that it's tied with such a bad match. Yeah, and I saw mad tweets about the house itself. Like, somebody tweeted, like, hold up, they're doing a match in a trap house in Oakland? <laughs> I'm like, well, it kind of does look like one. Yeah. But, but yeah, man, definitely the worst segment I've seen from WWE all year. And I, and I will, I am looking forward to seeing the induction on WrestleCrap.com because they do cover the worst in wrestling. And this is definitely... Wrestle crap yeah. fodder. So I'm looking forward to the article on that one. But yeah, it does no favors for either man. And uh, Bray Wyatt at this point, great talker, great promo, but he's a joke. Even and he was a transitional world champion. Yeah. So yeah, I've seen him with it, and now I'm like, okay, good, he got it. Yeah. They they need to really do more with him. Oh. He wait. has potential to be so much more. Hmm. Ab so much more. Absolutely, he's he's got he's got the menace, he's got the presence, he's got the mic skills, he's got the image, the ability. He's but got yet, the fans. And he's got the fans miraculously because like he talks a good game, but he nine times out of ten he loses, which is like he's a bit, he's a villain. Yeah, he's but a villain. Like, the good guys gotta win. Yeah, but not at the expense of the heel all the time. Like for Bray Wyatt, like it always diminishes each loss diminishes his stock. Yeah. And it's like at this point, it's like, dude, maybe go to NXT and win their championship. Maybe you'll do better there. I don't know. But uh, we get to our uh, main event of the evening, which was Braun Strowman versus Roman Reigns. And uh, what do you think about this match? Thank you, Strowman. Thank you, Strowman. Braun Strowman, the white meat baby face, even though he's supposedly a heel, uh, actually pinned Roman Reigns clean. In the middle of the ring, he pinned John Reigns, Roman Cena, one, two, three. Thank you. And uh, to ch and he actually gave Roman Reigns a post-match beatdown to chance of thank you, Strowman, thank you. from the San Jose crowd. Thank you. 
You really hate Roman Reigns being The Undertaker at WrestleMania 33, huh? I do. So do he, a lot of fans. Roman, he has made an enemy out of me. <laughs> My condolences go out to him because, you know, he lost his brother probably mm, yep. a week or two ago, but... I will I will say this though. You know what's funny though? Like I actually rewatched uh, that that Raw After Mania episode on Hulu, and they and in true WWE fashion they edited that whole Roman Reigns segment. Like when it came out when the crowd did you hear the amount of swearing that was going on? Of course they had to. Yeah, but still, it was, I, I I mean it's unedited on YouTube if you could find it. Like not from WWE's YouTube channel, of course. But like it was so it was so hilarious because when Roman Reigns came out in the edited clip, there was chance of delete. And then it fast forwarded to him saying, this is my yard now. And then he walked away. I'm like, it avoided all the chance of fuck you, Roman, asshole, shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> all those chances. Yeah, they can't, they can't put that on. They can't put that on. And remember, WWE is now a family-friendly product. Like Family-friendly, even though Roman Reigns is coughing up fake blood, internal injuries and all that. Um, oh, yeah, they're going to black and white that on eventually yeah but like yeah they can't like whenever they show it on tv and the network it's gonna be like whatever mm -hmm. but like you yeah they can't put that on there no but 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 you know regarding this match in all reality thank you Strowman. <laughs> well you know I this mean, undertaker fan greatly appreciates yeah well I, I mean undertaker he's enjoying you know sipping his uh sangria at his uh nursing home in death valley so kudos to him first of all he's from He's from Texas. He's from where? Houston or Dallas or Houston? Houston, okay. Fellow Dallas Cowboys fan. Why? Well, it's fitting because you know the Dallas Cowboys are a dead franchise, just like the dead man. Get it? Listen. First of all, hold on. First of all, you need to stop talking about my goddamn team. Now and listen. Not to mention the NFL draft was this weekend. Mm -hmm. I am highly excited. The future is definitely bright. We have filled every all those holes that we needed in our defense. Okay. Uh, our offense is extremely explosive, so now we have a young defense, a young offense. The future is definitely bright for my Dallas Cowboys. Now back to the WWE. Okay, great. Uh, so yeah, fuck the Patriots. But um, <laughs> but I will, I, will, I will say that um, uh, I'm, it, Braun Strowman winning this match was the right move because WWE, they are really pushing him as like the monster heel. Um, they, they're hopefully they're hyping him up as Brock Lesnar's next major opponent for the Universal Championship. I can see it happening. Yeah, um, and you know, if bold step, hopefully Braun Strowman, they could book him to you know prevail over Lesnar and be the next Universal Champion. I could see that happening. I could too. Yeah, because you know, keep that momentum up, man. Because Braun Strowman, man, he's he's definitely a, a fan favorite, mostly because of Roman Reigns, because yeah. he despises him so much. Right. But, but thank you, Strowman. Yeah. So, so yeah, that was our uh, our recap of uh, WWE Payback. Okay. Um, overall, just your just your average Raw pay per view. Yeah. But could have been could have the the House of Horror stuff was definitely the worst, the low light of the show. But you no, know, it was what it was. Definitely entertaining enough. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah, that? now we have our uh, question of the week. Last week's question was, what classic fighting game would you like to see get a reboot? Mm. So on Facebook, Dorian Marquise Johnson says, Street Fighter Alpha, and not these old bullshit 2D graphics. I want straight 2D hand-drawn anime-inspired art and gameplay. Oh, and no gimping for its appeal to a wider audience. Okay. All right. We also have one. Damn, I got to go back to my... Page, get it together, bird. Hey, listen. <laughs> Peter uh, Pratt says, "I guess the city, the city, 
I guess the city it counts as an Urgai's reboot. So I'm gonna have to say Bushido Blade. Ooh, Bushido Blade. You know, I, I remember that game for the PS1. Yeah. That was pretty Bushido unique. Bushido Blade was good. Yeah. So, and then on our Instagram, at Codex Prime Podcast, mm-hmm. Vivacious Dan says Fatal Fury. Our good friend Eddie Road Dog from the Party Nerds said Eternal Champions or Darkstar- or Darkstalkers. I'll take either. So shout outs to Eddie because Iris tried to clown me <laughs> about saying Eternal Champions. <laughs> Suck it, Iris. Uh... <laughs> At Gene Mott says Streets of Rage. It was a beat 'em up, but at the same time they did have an option where you can where the, you can fight against each other. Mm. Uh, one one mecha human says double dragon. Okay, it's a beat 'em up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's okay. it. So this week's question of the week, along with the unofficial who would you like to see play Vince McMahon? It's damn it, I just our question of the week this week was actually inspired by um, the story I told earlier that um, I was late to work playing Grand Theft Auto Five, mm-hmm. and then um, Victor told me that he literally spent eight hours playing it. Yep. So, what was the longest amount of time you have spent binge gaming? Man, longest... I, I could point to probably numerous examples. It, one was definitely Grand Theft Auto Five. Okay. Because when I first got up for the PS3 in September 2013, I literally spent eight hours straight playing that game. Alright. Like from the from the time I bought it in the morning to like the evening, I didn't even eat. That's how much I was into the game. I, I can understand that. Um. Uh. But the the game is that good. Um. Another game, definitely Uncharted Four. That was the last game that I really binge gamed. Because like I bought it, it took me two days to finish that whole game from start to finish. Like I remember when I when I bought the game, I bought it the previous day, and then the next day I played at nine a.m. and I finished at six p.m. I beat the game in literally two days. That literally sounds like my typical work day. Yeah. <laughs> that literally sounds like my Saturday. It took a whole work shift for me to beat that game. Um, I would have to say the first. Def Jam Vendetta. Shout out to my cousin in Baltimore, my cousin Mookie. Mm-hmm. He, uh, it's his baby name. We just call him that. Okay. Um, we, he first bought Def Jam Vendetta. We bought it at three o'clock in the afternoon, and we didn't finish till about two in the morning. Damn, <laughs> that, that's pretty. That's almost longer than my thing. Yeah. I probably, yeah, I probably beat you to it. So yeah. Wow. I probably say, or then the, the many weekends where me and my cousin Joe we have spent beating. Um, the Streets of Rage series. I will not. I can't picture myself playing Streets of Rage with anybody else but him. Oh wow, yeah, Streets of Rage is great. I mean, Part Two is still the best. Um, yeah, it was, part Two was more. Yeah, so yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, yeah, it would be. All right. Any other uh, games or that was it? No, I would probably say that's it. Yeah, that's it. All right, that's what's up. So yeah, uh, uh, listeners, viewers, uh, email the show at codexprimepodcast at gmail.com with your answers for question of the week, as well as any other questions you might you might have for us. We'll read your emails on the show. Yeah. Also, you can hit us up on um, social media, um, facebook.com slash codexprime, um, Instagram at codexprimepodcast, Twitter at codexprimecast. Um you can catch you can catch us. Oh, probably won't be this weekend for the Codex Prime Mix show, and I'm sorry I didn't do it this past weekend. Mm-hmm. I just got caught up with some family stuff. Yes. And um, this Saturday, you can actually catch us at Raw Coco's Collectibles 
on Academy Ave in Providence for their free comic book day too. So yes, sir. Make sure you come by, say what's up, chit chat for a little while. A little while, we'll be there. All right. Yeah, indeed. And you can also find our episodes on SoundCloud, Google Play, iTunes. Leave us that five star review, and also episodes on YouTube as well. So missing is that everything? I think that's it. I think it is it. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah. Thank you for tuning in. This is the uh, new era of the Codex Prime podcast. So uh, we'll we'll catch you next week with more of that podcast hot fire. Uh, email the show, and uh, we'll we'll see you next week. We'll see you when we see you. So later, nerds. Peace.